0: OK, so there was a hearing under oath with General Milley, other Pentagon people, Secretary of War, Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense. I call it Secretary of War. They changed it. Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. OK, and they had to answer questions about Afghanistan because Biden not going to tell you the truth about it. And neither is Kamala. All right. So now the senators called in the Pentagon brass to answer questions as they should have. Now, the first question is from um, Republican Tom Cotton from Arkansas. And he, and he basically made General Milley answer yes or no. Roll the tape. My assessment was... Uh... Back in the fall of 20 and it remained consistent throughout that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500 and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that uh, in order to move toward a negotiated gated solution. All right. So Millie basically saying my assessment was that you had to leave between 2,500 and 3,500 3, American troops in Afghanistan in order to get any kind of decent settlement. On the record. Now it took a long time to get there. Okay, Millie, but finally, Cotton pinned them down, and you heard Millie. My assessment was twenty-five to thirty-five hundred U.S. troops had to stay. Backing him up was the U.S. Central Commander, General Kenneth McKenzie. He said the same thing. All right. So now you got two top generals in the theater of Afghanistan, saying to the American public, we recommended to the commander in chief, President Biden, you keep people there. And that went as far back as March of this year. Well, here's Biden on August 19th, talking on Good Morning America, go.
1: Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't, it was split. That, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay?
0: No, not at not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame all troops. They didn't argue against that. So
1: no, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that.
2: No.
0: Who do you believe? Who do you believe? So Milley and McKenzie are under oath. Believe Biden? I don't. I don't believe him. So now his own commanders in the Pentagon. What does Biden do? You know what he'll do? Nothing. Won't answer any questions about it. Nothing. Now, this is when things get heavy. When the Commander-in-Chief, the President of the United States, basically tells the public. Now, I'm not using the word lie, because that's not my job. Okay, I'm not parsing that. I will say, Joe Biden, in my opinion, based on facts, misled me and you in a big way. It gets a little dicey now. Does it not? Ask your liberal friends what they think of that. But you won't get a straight answer. They're not going to address it. Okay. Now, not only did Biden flat out deny that his commander said, leave a residual force, which, again, I don't believe Biden's telling the truth. Okay. But Biden's prediction, that was in August, in July, was crazy wrong. Okay. Okay. So um, the Senate got on that today, roll it.
3: Later in July, the president of the United States, President Biden says, I trust the the capacity of the Afghan military, better trained, better equipped and more competent in terms of conducting the war. President Biden was wrong on that. We told our interpreters, our drivers, our friends, the people who had had our backs during this entire Period of time that we would not abandon them, and that's
0: exactly what we did. I think there's a series of strategic lessons to be learned. <laughs> yeah, I I would think, you know, you hose all the people who helped us over in Afghanistan. Maybe that's a strategic lesson to be learned, General Milley. So Milley should resign. He should resign, and that. um is what Cotton, again, the senator, Republican senator from Arkansas, said to Milley, what are you doing here? You should have been out a long time ago. Roll the tape.
4: All right, I've just got one final question. General Milley, I I can only conclude that your advice about staying in Afghanistan was rejected. I'm shocked to learn that your advice wasn't sought until August 25th on staying past the August 31 deadline. I understand that you're the principal military advisor, that you advise, you don't decide, the president decides. But if all this is true, General Milley, why haven't you resigned?
0: Senator, as a senior military officer, um, resigning is a really serious thing. It's a political act if I'm resigning in protest. My job is to provide advice. I don't think you should resign in protest, General. I think you resigned because you screwed everything up. You shouldn't be there. Nobody has any confidence in you. All of them admitted that U.S. credibility is damaged. Nobody said, oh, the world is real confident in our military because that's absurd. So Milley should just step aside saying, look, I had my shot. I didn't do well. I'm going to give it to somebody else and maybe they'll do better. Wouldn't that be the patriotic thing to do? And then there was one question on the Chinese call. Now, I don't zero in on the Chinese call because I don't trust Bob Woodward's reporting. I don't. I mean, because I know the game. I know what Woodward does. And he paints everything as negative as he can against Donald Trump. And if he has to use General Milley's phone call to the Chinese military to do it, Woodward will. But there's no perspective. So Milley gave a little perspective today. He said, look... I called my Chinese counterpart, and I said to him, look, we have a very hotly contested election and political situation here. This was after the January 6th Capitol attack. But don't worry, it's under control. That's what Millie's story is. Don't worry, it's not going to be any nuttiness. The transition of power is going to take place. That makes sense to me. Now, was Milley trying to undermine Trump earlier? Possible. Am I going to convict Milley of that under Bob Woodward's name? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do it because I'm a fair man, fact-based, which is why you watch me. However, there is no doubt that Milley and Defense Secretary Austin screwed up Afghanistan. Afghanistan. And Biden's not telling the truth about it. Now you can't get rid of Biden. That's not enough to impeach him. He's not going to be impeached. He's not nothing like that's going to happen. All right? But Milley and Austin should be out of there. But they won't be. Because then if Biden fired them, they'd turn on Biden worse. All right, tomorrow there'll be more of this in the House. I don't know if I'm going to cover it. I will if there's something new, but I doubt if there'll be anything new. You got it. You, the people that care about your country, you have it. You now know. Summing up, Biden knew that Afghanistan was going to go down. They asked him to leave some troops there so it wouldn't collapse immediately, so he could get people out in an orderly way. Biden said no. It's on Biden. By the way, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller is being held in a military lockup. You'll remember that he outwardly protested the screw up in Afghanistan and he's going to be tried. What I think is going to happen is he's going to get a dishonorable discharge. 41 years old. Uh, He is Marines for 17 years. And, you know, we wish him the best. We understand the chain of command thing. You can't have it. Officers in the military running around. You just can't. It's my job to do that. It's the senator's job to do that. All right, Mayorkas. uh, This is this is another disaster. The head of Homeland Security. So if you look at all the appointments that Biden has made, they're all disastrous. All of them. Every one of them. So now Mayorkas finally admits that letting all of these foreign nationals into America is going to spread COVID and other disease. We are confronted with a, a, a population of people that, um, uh, as a general matter, um, have a uh, a rate of illness of approximately 20 percent. They arrive in between the ports of entry and must be placed in congregant settings, which um, as I think we all understand, uh, precipitate, or could precipitate, a significant spread of the disease. Yeah, we understand that, Mr. Secretary. We got it. Why are you having open borders? Oh, geez. All right, just an update uh, on a Haitian situation. 4,000, according to government, have been flown back to Haiti. 8,000 have voluntarily returned to Mexico. That means they were booted out. And uh, about 12,000, probably more, are running around the USA right now. Nice job down there. So I wanted to talk to the guy you're looking at right now who is in Georgia because he's running for uh, one of the most important Senate seats in this country. His name is Herschel Walker. You probably know just by his face who he is, former National Football League legend. Uh, University of Georgia Bulldog. Um, He is one of the best football players ever, but now he is a politician. He's kind enough to talk to us today. So, Herschel, um, you know, in a prep, I asked you to identify the three most important things that need to be changed in America. Let's start with number one. What say you?
2: Well, I think it's border control. I, I said border control because I think that encompasses a lot of different things. Of the other two things I'm going to talk about, I think we have to get control of our borders because if we don't do that, we really don't have a country. And if we get control of the border, I think it's going to, as I just said, it's going to encompass the other two things that I'm going to talk about, and that's going to be law enforcement. Uh, I think we have to get law enforcement under control because you know, as I was doing some listening sessions around the. Uh, the state of Georgia, you know, I didn't realize that Atlanta is a big uh, hub for drugs. Drugs are coming through Atlanta, almost over almost 65, well over 65% of the drugs coming into this country go through Atlanta. And, you know, with the uh, human trafficking and all that, you know, we got to get law and order back in this country. That's what this country was built on, that foundation there. And I think then the, you got to go to the economy. You know, right now, after this pandemic just hit, you see how inflation is has, has sky, skyrocketing. You know, now you can't even go to the store and buy milk or bread. Or you see the gas prices is going through the roof when people have no jobs. Okay. You know, right now we have- Well, you pinpointed
0: as- three very emotional issues and I think they'll resonate in Georgia. I just want to tell everybody that right now uh, there are three other men um, running uh, for the Senate on the Republican side, as you are. There'll be a primary- Um, and then whoever wins the primary, um, which will be May 24th, will face off against Raphael Warnock, who is the Democrat and Georgia's first black Senator. So let's get back to the border. Um, Donald Trump wanted to build a wall. He was not successful in getting the wall done completely. He got some of it done beside the wall. What else needs to be done to inhibit foreign nationals from illegally crossing into the USA?
2: Well, I think one of the first things that we need to do, you know, we have so many people, so many of our leaders that just come out and make soundbites about how bad the United States are treating people that's trying to cross the border. Well, first of all, why don't they go down to the uh, border and let's get with some of the people that's on the ground and let's interview them or talk to them and get some insight of what's really, really going on. And how we can help, you know, as you said, President Trump wanted to build a wall, which, uh, you know, could have been, it really, really was a great idea and they are not going to do the wall, but they're not even going down to talk to the people that's that's playing the game. And what I mean by that, they're not talking to the people that's down on the ground that's trying to, uh, trying to stop it. I think they need to get down there and do that, be the first thing that they, they should be All right, doing. But,
0: but beside conversation, I mean, look, the Democratic Party is fine with open borders. They want as many people here oh, as they that, can get. We can't have that. Yeah. I, we cannot have that. that right, we right. Okay, so you're a Republican. On the Republican side, there's got to be some kind of mechanism to stop people, to stop them from coming up. Do you have any ideas in that regard?
2: Well, the, the way you're going to have to stop it, you're going to have to stop it through uh, by controlling your laws. And and if, we, if you have to build a wall, build a wall. But we have to have people coming to come into this country legally and uh, and to come through what our rules uh, require us to do. And I, I think that's one of the most uh, variable things we have. We have a country that have laws that we have to abide by. Think about all the people that has came to this country legally. And right now, if we're going to have, as you said, the the Democrats want to have open borders, but think about the people that have done the legal way of getting into this That's not fair.
0: Uh, Everybody knows that. And and, and nothing is
2: fair in life. And I think you can say that nothing is fair in life. And we have to say that. But if you want to live in the United States of America, and I think that may be one of the first things we got to get to. When we elect people into office, we need to first ask the question, do you like the United States of America? And the second question should be, do you like the Constitution of the United States of America? Because that seems to be the problem we have today with a lot of our leaders. They're putting this country down. They're putting this country down. They're trying to change. They don't
0: like the way it's it's a racist country. And then let's segue on to law enforcement. Many African-Americans believe that police in general give blacks a harder time than whites. Do you believe
2: well, that? Well, you know, it, of course, many African-Americans believe that, and I don't know whether that is true. I think there's a lot of people you see on TV that says that, and there's no doubt. You know, you see a lot of sound bites. You see a lot of television where that has happened. But there's a lot of african American that that do listen, and they, uh, they say, well, you know, they look at the statistics. You look at the statistics and you see that there's a lot of Latinos that, uh, that, that has a lot of problem with, uh, with the police as well. There's a lot of uh, whites that have problems with police as well. And I think that's one thing that we that people don't want to look at is the statistics. And I'm not saying all police are correct because they're not. You know, you have some bad apples that's in the police department, but the majority of the police, they're good people. They're good people. And my thing is, you know, why don't we try to be uh, proactive than reactive? And what I mean by that is we ought to try to talk to our young men, whether you're African-American, whether you're Latino, whether you're white, and say, guys, let's try to cooperate or let's try to listen to the police. And we both can go home safe. You know, and then if there's a problem, let's let have all these leaders that's out there a- after their fight that want to now defund the police. let have these leaders now go and get you out of jail rather than trying to defund the police, because we know that's not the way you do it. That's not the way you accomplish mm-hmm. anything.
0: Have you in your life as a young man, boy, your family ever had a unfair confrontation with a police officer?
2: Oh, no, I've been stopped by the police you know, uh, a couple of years ago. I was stopped by the police late at night. I was driving a, a rental truck coming from uh, South Georgia up to Atlanta and I was stopped late at night uh, by the police and they said I was speeding and I knew I wasn't speeding because Uh, all the way from Savannah, all the way up through Atlanta, there was two cars that was with me. Well, those two cars happened to be in front of me at the time. They were going a lot faster than I was. And I was stopped because a rental car was an SUV, had a Florida uh, tag on it, and I got stopped. And they went through all the things. They asked to search the car, and I said, no, I don't think you want to search the car. And I wasn't going to, you know, I I used my legal rights. And, uh, you know, they got aggressive, not aggressive. They got really forceful at one point, period. And I said, you know, I love to talk to someone they got the authority, right? And they Did they asked, know it
0: was you? Did they know it was Herschel Walker? And the
2: thing is, they asked for my license, and I was very nice. And 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 even with the confrontation, I was very nice. I was never, never really mean. I was very nice, my voice never got, never raised my voice. I just was very, oh, well, I, I, I won't say I was polite, but I was very nice. I handed them my license, and when they found out it was me, they uh, they were very, very apologetic and said, you know. But if it yeah, wasn't
0: you, yeah. it, it could have went another way. It's an interesting yeah, story I, because I think, to, a, to, to exactly. be fair, to be yeah, fair, most this, um, exactly African-Americans. Yeah,
2: that's what I told my mom. I was a mom and I told her about that. I got stopped and I said, "Yo, know, it could have went a different way. But I did say this to her. You can ask my mom if I said this as a mom. I probably could have jumped out of that car and, you know, we could have had a big tussle and I probably would have won it. But I said, if I had gotten shot, it would have been my fault. I said, because I I knew that you're you're using
0: common sense, but a lot of emotion in this because a lot of African-Americans, almost everyone I know and my friends have, you know, gotten hassled a bit and that's got to stop. But on the other hand, the bigger issue, you're absolutely right. If the American people don't cooperate with the police, we're going to have anarchy here. Now, the final thing I want to talk to you about is motivation. Uh, You're going to get attacked. You've already been attacked personally. You've been slimed. Um, and you're going to be slimed if you get the nomination even more. Does that give you pause? Have you thought about that? Because you're getting into a rough game here.
2: I am getting into a rough game, but it's not about me. And I don't think that's what the people don't realize. It's not about me. You know, I, I, I've been very blessed in this country. I've been very blessed to uh, start out with my family had absolutely nothing. And, you know, this country has given me so many freedoms, so many great things had had me to get to the point that I'm at today and I owe something back. Being a Christian, loving the Lord Jesus, you know, being a Christian, I want to give back. I always talk about sacrificing. You know, people don't know over the last 15 years, I've been at a military base. I've seen young men and women do some amazing things for this country. They're very young. You know, you're, you're, you're talking about kids in their 20s and, you know, their early 30s. They're doing some amazing things for this country. They're sacrificing. And right now, I think if I didn't do this, I mean, I, I, mean, I know that I'm the one that can beat uh, Senator Warner. I'm the one that can beat him. I know that for a fact. If I don't do it, I think I'll be a hypocrite as I speak to people and talk to them about sacrificing.
0: Okay. Well, you're going to have to make some of those sacrifices because the progressive left's going to try to destroy you. Now, I will yeah. defend you, uh, but I wanna, I want to just make one footnote on what you just said. America has given you the opportunity to be successful, but you yourself earned it. You oh, that's earned no doubt.
2: it. You're, you're 100% correct. And that's what I, I preach all the time. And that's why I tell people all the time, I want to teach people to fish. I, I don't want to give people to fish. I think right now, this administration wants to just give, give, give. And I think it's totally wrong because they're not teaching anyone anything. They want to get us uh, relying on the, on the government. That is the worst thing that... That anyone in America can do is rely on the government. I learned
0: it. You, that, and I know how much hard work went into your success. Um, I played college football on a much lower level than you did, but it's, it's not easy, and you rose to the top. Now I want you to. Um, I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to do your best. But if anybody comes after you, Mr. Walker, in an unfair perfect, way. Perfect. I want your staff to call us right away because I'm going to be looking out for you now. I mean, politics is politics, but if they do something untoward against you or your family, please let us know right away and we will intervene. Is that a fair deal?
2: That's a fair deal. I want to thank you so much. And, and you know, it, I got to be treated just like all the other politicians. And if they're going to come after me, come after me. But they need to realize that You know, I'm a fighter, been a fighter all my life. So you come after me, the harder you come, the harder you're going to see me fight. And I don't think they realize that they they may tangle with the wrong person here.
0: (laughs) All right, Herschel, thanks again. It's good to talk to you again, and we wish you the best, of course. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Hey, God bless. It's another morning,
3: and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late Assistance. Help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash Carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to CarShield.com slash Carlson and save 20% today.
0: COVID. Now, this is another unbelievable story. So only about of African-Americans in this country are vaccinated, according to the latest data. It's hard to get data, but I think that's close. Because of that, the far left is in a very, very tough position because it doesn't want to criticize African-Americans ever. If you read my column, called The Rules on BillOReilly.com, you'll see. But now, in New York City, you can't go into a restaurant or play or show or spa or gym or anything unless you have a vaccinated passport. So, last week in Carmine's restaurant in Times Square, there was a mini brawl because the restaurant tried to evict a couple of African Americans who weren't vaxxed. Enter Black Lives Matter who is now making COVID vaccinations a race matter. Roll the tape.
2: Because the stats show that 72% of black people in this city from ages 18 to 44 are unvaccinated. So what is going to stop the Gestapo, I mean the NYPD? What is going to stop them from rounding up black folks? What's going to stop them from snatching black people off the train, Snatching, snatching black people off the bus? What is going to stop them from doing this? We are.
0: And she's threatening an uprising. <laughs> OK, so Black Lives Matter now is on the side of some very conservative people. They both won't, don't want vax, mandatory vaccination. Isn't that strange, bedfellows, as they say. All right, I'm campus at Penn State. 117 students have been thrown off campus. And I mean, literally, they cannot step on a campus because they didn't get the COVID test and they aren't vaxxed. So 170 students suspended for missing at least three weeks of COVID testing and they can't participate in anything. No virtual classes, nothing until they come back and show proof of vaccination or get a COVID test on campus. So Penn State says we don't want you and. 117 students, they're out of there. Now, I wonder if they give those students a refund in tuition. I don't know. I'll find out. In Amherst College uh, in Massachusetts, um, they have unbelievable draconian rules for the kids. Now, I reported this on September 2nd. I'm just going to go down it fast. All students must wear two masks all the time, everywhere on campus. Two. Not one. Two. They have to be tested twice a week, all students, and they can't come out of their rooms. If they go to class, then they go back to the room. I guess they have to go to eat, but that's it. The only time you can take your mask down is to chew. So 400 students at Amherst sent an open letter to the administration saying, we can't do this. Now, it costs $77,000 a year to go to Amherst. Why would anybody go there? I can't answer that question. But I wanted to bring in a guest, uh, Angela Morabito. She is a uh, member of the Campus Reform Higher Education Group. But more importantly, she's a former press secretary for Department of Ed chief Betsy Davos under President Trump. You hear me okay, uh, Ms. Morabito?
5: I am. It's great to be with you, Bill.
0: Thank you. We didn't test you before you you picked us up uh, in progress. So let's get your reaction to Amherst. I mean, this is the most extreme thing I've ever seen. But again, I can't I don't know why any student would ever go there under these circumstances, do you?
5: I really feel for these Amherst students. And as to why they're going there, it's generally because they're stuck. Amherst announced these draconian rules long after. Any of these students could transfer or make other plans for the semester. And look, it's not just anti-freedom what they're doing. It's anti-science. You have everybody on that campus is vaccinated. Everyone there is wearing a mask. And if you believe those things work, there is no reason to essentially trap these students on campus.
0: Okay. So the administration far, far left, Amherst, very, very uh, radical left university, They're just doing it for a power play, do you think? Why do you think they're doing it?
5: I believe that this is just one more opportunity for leftists to use coronavirus as an excuse to exert control. And look, this is happening at far more places than just Amherst. Actually, nearby at the University of Vermont, students were petitioning against their university administration because they suspended someone because they used the restroom at three in the morning without a mask on. They suspended someone who was caught studying in a study room alone without a mask on. This is far past anything having to do with science. This is about administrators who are, you know, too into their own power. And they believe that students check their rights at the campus gates.
0: Okay. And I agree with you. I concur. It's it's foolish and it's totalitarian. So let's go to American University in Washington, D.C. Apparently now they have segregated housing for students on campus. So I thought we were done with that with the Civil Rights Acts, uh, but now it's been reimposed by American University. Tell me what's going on there.
5: Right. American University is one of several colleges that is instating segregated housing. They have affinity housing only for black students. Many colleges are doing this. Uh, Western Washington University has just announced it. Uh, sorry. Uh, these are colleges that are in the name of inclusion. They're actually excluding people.
0: Have there been any, and it as undoes
5: you... a lot of the beauty of what a college education should be. You go to college to learn from people who are nothing sure. like yourself. Uh, look, look. And yet at Campus Reform, we're hearing from correspondents all the time who are saying, wait a second, my school is dividing us on the basis of race.
0: No doubt that that's happening in kindergarten now with the critical race theory, divide the students. Has anybody sued that you know of about the segregated housing on American University and other places?
5: There are no lawsuits that I know of at American University or elsewhere. But you look at how hard this is when students try to fight back. Campus reform has reported that years ago when students at Princeton, uh, of all races, wanted to use an affinity space designated for black students. Other students actually policed that behavior and said you shouldn't be there because your skin is the wrong color. And if that's not a tremendous step backwards, I for hope somebody does. I don't know I what it is. I hope somebody
0: does file a lawsuit to see what the courts would say about this. Now, James Madison University in Virginia has labeled uh, male straight cisgender and Christian men oppressors. Is this just a joke or is this a serious thing at James Madison?
5: I wish it was a joke, Bill. This is very serious. This is how James Madison was training their student employees to interact with incoming students. Gave this presentation and they divided the world into oppressed and oppressors. And if you are white, male or Christian, you are an oppressor. And look, is it any wonder that men, young men in America are foregoing four-year colleges in record numbers? I can't say I blame them. When I was at the Department of Ed, I saw up Close, how schools use Title IX kangaroo courts to just end men's academic careers and, and ruin yes. their future careers before they get started.
0: That's one of the weapons that they use. Now, finally, Rutgers University in New Jersey and San Francisco State sponsored together a 9 11 event, and many of the speakers, including Sammy Al Arian, there's a blast from the past, boy. Sammy Al Arian, when I was on the factor, This guy is the most uh, virulent America hater around. Anyway, they brought in these speakers to say the 9-11 attack was America's fault. Again, this is Rutgers University and San Francisco State. How outrageous is that?
5: It's horrible. Look, we just had this 20th anniversary and what do we say every year? We say never forget. But then you've got these professors who are not just saying we need to forget 9-11, but that we never ought to even teach this rising generation, what that date means for our country. It's not just a huge insult to all those innocent people who lost their lives that day. It's tr- you know, tremendously troubling that the next generation of America's leaders could grow up thinking that America was at fault for 9-11 because these professors say we had it coming.
0: I know. It's what the progressive movement is. We hate America. Angela, thanks very so much. We appreciate it. Uh, I hope you stay in touch and because uh, this college thing is going to get worse, I think, in the next year or so. Um, I think
5: so, too. Thank you very much. Okay.
0: New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. All right. Now, on a personal crime story, many of you are following the Gabby Petito case. this is a young woman who disappeared on September 11th. She was on a trip with her boyfriend, Brian Landry or Laundrie. Brian Laundry, there he is. And uh, she disappeared. And then authorities in Wyoming found her dead. It's a homicide. Now, there was a incident between uh, Miss Petito and Mr. Laundrie in Utah and the Moab, Utah police were called and did nothing. So now the uh, head of Moab Police Department is um, going on a leave of absence because he, his uh, force didn't do anything. Police Chief Brett Edge. So I wanted to uh, talk to a guy who knows the Utah law enforcement community as well as anybody, and also knows uh, the federal government. Let's bring in Brett Tallman from Salt Lake City. He's a former U.S. attorney for Utah. So I wanted to ask you about Durham, too. We'll do that after a uh, Gabby Petito. So what did the Moab police do wrong here? <laughs>
6: You know, Bill, this state is a state that has a no tolerance, um, must arrest if you're dispatched on a des- domestic violence. And, and here it's, it's painful to watch the, you know, the <clears throat> the body cam of the police officers, because when they get there, they seem to have not have they don't have the right facts in mind. They um, they do the proper thing and separate the two but somewhere along the line, they are told two times before they, they you know, interchange inter, uh, you know, with these uh, individuals, they're told two times that the male was seen hitting the female on the street multiple times.
0: That's by but a witness, get there, right? That's a witness who yep, that's, A witness who called 911, told the police department, a male was hitting a female. The Moab police then responded and what did they do wrong?
6: What they did wrong, first of all, is they asked, um, They asked, you know, Brian, did you, did you hit her? He said, no, I pushed her. But he, he had inconsistent uh, marks on his face and on his arms that would suggest that there was a fight. Um, they asked Gabby, and she is crying and I'm sobbing. And she indicates um, that she kind of was, was, was pushing and hitting him and says and denies that he hit her. So now they have an objective third-party witness that has said that they saw the male hit the female, and they, of course, have both of the individuals denying that. They, they have no choice. They have to arrest. They entertain for a second arresting her. And so they come to the po- conclusion that they want to talk to the witness. They talk to one of the witnesses, but they don't talk to the witness that saw Brian hit Gabby. And so at this point, they decide not to arrest Gabby, who they were thinking about, and they simply separate the two. That is a violation of the policy that their office has and of of Utah state law.
0: Do we know why they didn't interview the guy who called 911, the eyewitness who said that Landry hit Gabby?
6: We don't yet. In fact, it was not public. For, for some time that they were told that, that Brian had hit Gabby, um, and that just barely came out. The dispatch told them twice that, that Brian hit her.
0: All right. So they screwed up by not bringing them into the police station uh, and further investigating and trying to gather all the facts. That was the big screw up, right?
6: Yeah, that's right.
0: Now, is this Chief uh, Edge, is he the fall guy here, or is he responsible for some of this? Should he be on administrative leave?
6: Well, you know, I know this Chief. He's a a good officer. He's a good man. I think he's saying he's probably at at this point uh, going to be the one that says, hey, the buck stops with me. I'm taking responsibility. They weren't trained properly, and they made some mistakes. I think these officers will probably be subjected to some discipline as well, but It doesn't surprise me that this police chief is, uh, you know, is taking the heat on this.
0: Okay, let's get to the National uh, um, Durham report. On a Friday, the fiscal year runs out for the federal government, and the Durham investigation may stop being funded. They have to um, elongate the funding because Durham's taken so long that his time is up on Friday two days from now. Yet he issued an indictment, I'm sure you know about it, for a lawyer who was working for the Clinton campaign, who was feeding out all this bogus information, not only to the press, but to the FBI itself. This guy, Michael Sussman, is now charged with a felony. So how do you see this overall case?
6: You know, it, it's aggravating and it's taken so long. It doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of detail in this indictment. Uh, I'll tell you what I think this is, Bill. This is, you know... Durham is setting up an individual that, um, you know, to be charged, and he brought it to the grand jury with a lot of detail to show that there was absolute manipulation in that story going into the election in 2016 about Russia and the, the, the covert connections with Trump. So what he's doing is picking the individual that he believes may have the most knowledge in order to identify the other members of a conspiracy. That entire indictment reads conspiracy. We just don't know all the players. And I I believe he probably assumed that he would have the ability to to squeeze Sussman, get information and then expand. But you're right now, you know, it's all up in the air because the the government funding is going to stop. And will the DOJ, led by, you know, Merrick Garland, will they then see this as an opportunity to stop the investigation?
0: You know, that would be a huge scandal if they do that. So I don't expect that Absolutely. With all, the, you know, with all the trouble Biden's having on every other front if he buries this. My assessment of the investigation based upon the documents that I've seen is that Hillary Clinton's campaign paid for all this false bogus stuff against Trump and involving Russia. That's my assumption. Yeah, that's
6: right. We, we never had information uh, that connected the two, but we now have the billing records. And Sussman was billing the campaign for yep, all of that work he was doing to manipulate it. Yep, That's right.
0: All right. So, again, the media will bury that story. We will not. Uh, Brett, just let us know when something happens or if you get any wind yep. of whether the funding is going to be extended. And we are on this. Good to see you again, Brett. Thank you for Great helping us. Great to see us. you, Bill. Okay. You
4: This podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere.
0: So uh, I'm a big football fan um, and pro football. uh, I watch you know, I'm not as much as I used to, but I, I watch and I feel sorry for the players. Now, can you say that, O'Reilly, when I make so much money? Because the average time in the National Football League is less than three years. And guys get wiped out, as you know, every week. All right. The injuries are horrific. It's like the Roman Coliseum that, you know, the gladiators going down with a spear in their neck. The National Football League players are battered, bruised. It's brutal. There's no other way to put it. And we Americans enjoy this, we watch it, Uh, the networks make billions of dollars. So there's a guy, Joe Namath, you know Joe, Broadway Joe, all right, one of the best quarterbacks ever, University of Alabama. He's got a foundation and he has uh, a charitable event this week, I helped him out with that. Last week, it's a private uh, charity, tax deductible, all right, the Joe Namath Foundation. And you can donate. Now, what this does is that um, players, football players who have brain injuries, can get treated. Because, obviously, a lot of these players didn't make any money way back. Joe made money, but not many others. And they can't afford all of this optional treatment to ward off the damage that they have in their heads. This is a great charity. This is a fantastic charity. Once again, Joenameth.org. Easy. JoeNameth.org. If you give it 20 bucks or something, you know, it was particularly if you're a football fan, if you're watching this for entertainment, gotta get back a little bit here, and that's what that's what got me. And and I gotta say, Joe Namath, I've known, I know thousands. We just had one, Herschel Walker, thousands of former athletes and, and present athletes, and Joe Namath, he's at the top. Okay, uh, I really appreciate you guys watching us as always, and we will see you tomorrow.